This is the One Thing Podcast, where we teach you the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. I'm your host, Kayla Muss. Jerry Keller said something during last year's goal setting retreat that has stuck with me ever since. He said, if you have big goals and you haven't achieved them yet, there are only two reasons that you're where you are instead of where you want to be. It's either the actions you took or the relationships you have. He's right. And when he broke it down so simply, it encouraged me to think differently about the habits, the choices, and the relationships that got me to where I am today, and to consider what I'm missing in order to pursue growth and achieve bigger goals. The episode you're about to hear is the full conversation we had with Gary during last year's retreat. We're sharing it now because we're ramping up for goal setting season, and we want to invite you to this year's retreat for couples and individuals on November 13th and 14th. Join us virtually or be one of the select VIPs that come to set goals with us in Austin, Texas. Get your ticket at theonething.com. That's with the number one in the URL slash set my goals. It's theonething.com slash set my goals. Early bird tickets are still available, but the prices go up on September 1st. So get yours today at theonething.com slash set my goals. It's going to be amazing. And the episode you're about to hear will help you get an idea of what this life-changing retreat is all about. With that, let's get into this conversation with Gary Keller. Eating healthy is an investment. It's an investment in yourself, but it also often requires an investment of your time. But good news is Factor has delicious ready-to-eat meals that are ever fresh and never frozen. They're chef-created, dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. With Factor, you can choose from a weekly menu of up to 35 options, including popular things like Calorie Smart or Keto Direction or Protein Plus or Vegan and Veggie. Also discover 60 more add-ons every week like breakfast on the go, lunch snacks, beverages to help you stay fueled, feel good all day. And we know our listeners here at The One Thing are focused on health and health goals. That's why we choose to partner with Factor. And if you visit factormeals.com slash 150 and use code 150, you can get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. Again, that's factormeals.com slash ONE50 and use code ONE50 to get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. In the book, Gary, there's a quote from F.M. Alexander that people do not decide their future. They decide their habits and their habits decide their futures. What role have habits played in your life? Habits are my life. And by the way, they're your life too. Our lives are made up of habit. And I've told this story a lot, but bears repeating. When I was in college, I looked down one day and I was biting my fingernails. And I thought, that's strange. Why do I do that? And I didn't have an answer. I had no idea why I did it, right? And so I didn't think about it. Sometime, maybe a month or so later, I ended up back home uh, with my family. We're sitting around the table, and I look over, and my dad has his hand just crammed in his mouth, biting his fingernails. And when he took his hand out, I looked at his fingers, and man, they were nubs. I mean, he literally had half a normal fingernail on all of his fingers, right? And in that moment, I had an epiphany. And that is, I bite my nails because my dad bit his nails. And I didn't choose to bite my nails. I developed the habit of biting them by watching someone else and subconsciously copying them. And so it led to a bigger kind of epiphany for me. uh, And that was, whose life am I living? 
if I'm just robotically uh, copying other people and I'm an accumulation of habits that I've observed but not purposefully chosen, I'm not really leading my life. And so that led me down this rabbit trail of, of trying to understand when we take action, what role does habits play? And the reality is, is that they, we, are, we are habit. We are habit. When you, when you wake up in the morning, do you generally wake up at the same time? Yes. Yeah, it's a habit. By the way, when you get up, do you normally do the same thing every morning? Yes. That's a habit. When you go into the shower or the bath and you start soaping up, do you stand there for a second and go, hmm, what should I soap first today? Honey, what do you think? Or do you just, you go through that motion, right, without even thinking about it. But if you reflect, you realize you do the same thing. Do you shampoo first or do you wash your face first? Do you soap up first? What do you do first, second, third? It's a habit. And you do the same routine every time. Yes or no? Yes. Okay. So when we talk about habit, we first have to make an observation and we have to admit to something. Our lives are habit. The, the, the way you're standing right now, the way you're even looking at me is a habit. You have, this, is, this, is that, this is the habit of you being that way in these situations. And me sitting here, the way I'm sitting here is a habit. I didn't consciously think about it. I just went to my habit. We're habit, man. We, our whole lives. I mean, and, and so then the question is, huh, well, do I want to have purposeful habit? Do I want to be a meaningful, specific around habit? Or do I want to be a wandering generality around habit where I'm just the accumulation of the habits that find me? Mm. And I believe that's a fundamental question. And the, the sooner in life that you can get to that fundamental question, that understanding and that fundamental question, man, life becomes this a, a whole different magical experience for you. Because you begin to understand that habit allows you to do something faster or better, right? I have a path to doing it. I habitually do it that way. I get it done faster and with predictable results. Mm -hmm. so, I've, heard you, I've heard you share that at some point you formed the habit of forming habits. Absolutely. At what point in your life did that happen and how did that happen? Yeah, well, that happened gradually. Meaning that I think that when I had that experience with uh, my father, I began to think about it a lot more than do anything about it, just to be candid. I, don't, I, I think that was just an epiphany. And then I kind of went on this period of time in my life where I'm, I'm reading. And I'm, I'm, now, I'm, I'm, I'm now asking big questions and looking for books. Uh, that have big answers around life and 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 decision making, right? And the first thing for me was I realized, and this was in my twenties, so it'd be about my mid twenties, that I go from just doing things and and modifying my behavior on the run in order to get where I want to go, to being more purposeful, where I then began to establish a very specific high goal. And then built a game plan around that, and then built and then built the habits around the behavior necessary to deliver on that plan to get the results. 
And so I would say that it, it was probably from the time that I had that experience with my father, it was easily eight years from that moment until I was becoming a purposeful person. And, and, and it builds on itself. You ever heard that saying, uh, the rich get richer and the poor get poorer? Absolutely. Okay. So I, I'd heard that phrase a lot. And, it, and I never internalized that till, till at some point I'm studying money. And I realized that the reason why is once you've learned how to make money, you then just execute and you make more money. And if you haven't learned how to make money, then you every day execute on not making more money. And I I realized that that life was kind of that way with goals too. If I could get purposeful and I could could then build a way of thinking and assemble the habits that were necessary to execute at a high level, then I could be really greedy and I could then start picking things I wanted in life, uh, creating a plan and then creating habit around that, around that. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. So by the time I got to my late twenties, I'm, I'm now a habit-based person. So I would say that's probably a 10 year, 11 year journey from the epiphany with my dad to when I've transitioned over into a bona fide, purposefully based uh, habits uh, life living. I want to dive into the habits that you formed to allow you to have a relationship with your goals. Okay. Because this whole idea, and Jay and I were walking one day, and he said, you know, the, the world doesn't wait, need a new way to set goals. They need a way to have a relationship with them, to stay in relationship with the goal, to allow it to help them be appropriate in the moment. What did that look like for you on your journey? Um. It, for me, and, and again, I'm a thoughtful person, so um, I don't know why, but I, I think about things. So for me, it also happened, all, all of this change began to occur for me in my mid-20s, and it happened because of a divorce and the introspection of why, why did that happen? And I don't want that to happen again. And, and realizing that um, I had been operating with a poor self-image and had been driven to succeed because I, I felt bad. And I thought if I was successful, people would like me or I'd be happier. And then I have something bad happen to me. And I started doing inner searching and actually went to a psychiatrist. Okay. And uh, I came out of that going, you know what? I'm okay. And then I went, oh no, I'm I'm totally in trouble because if I'm okay without doing anything and I'm happy without doing anything, why do I need to do anything? So I, I had a crisis in that moment because I I realized that up until then, I had been driven by a deficit thinking. Right? I was trying to become whole, believing that that created a better life, a happier life, uh, a bigger life. And it can, by the way, but it's it's not fulfilling, right? It, it You can't fill that hole. Nothing will. So, so you just have to, you just have to agree to be happy. 
so that you don't have a hole, right? So I look up and I go, holy cow, I'm, I've lost my motivation. And then I realized I had to go on this journey. And the journey that I went on was, uh, am I a physical being having a minor spiritual experience? Or am I a spiritual being having a minor physical experience? And I had never decided. I had grown up in a religious family. And habitually, if you will, I just incorporated the family's beliefs and actions around those religious beliefs without ever analyzing any of it. So now I'm looking up and I'm going, well, I guess I never really decided. And in the end, I decided, okay, I believe I'm a spiritual being having a minor physical experience. And then I realized that in order to maximize my spiritual being in a physical form meant I needed to go out and live and have experiences and grow from those experiences. And if I failed, that just made me grow faster, right? Because I learned from my mistakes. And that led me to all of a sudden having a new relationship with goal setting. Because now my goal setting is very purposeful. And that is, I've made a connection between asking big questions of myself and assembling the thinking and the habits and, and the actions and the relationships around achieving that with growing as a spiritual person. So by the way, now I become fearless, meaning that you can bankrupt me, you can divorce me, you can do whatever you want to me. You can you can cause me to fail at something and you have not defeated me because failure is part of my recipe for growing spiritually. So I'm okay with failure. And when you lose the the this fear of of something bad happening being bad, and you, you, you assemble it differently as a, a part of your journey. As bad as it is, you internalize it and spin it around and get back in touch with the fact that this is the journey of life. Good things happen, bad things happen, right? Good things happen, you're born. Bad things happen, you die. I mean, right? I mean, it, it, this is that journey. And you begin to make peace with all of that. You become kind of a fearless warrior. Now you become a greedy warrior. And that is you start thinking really big and write your goals. Your, your goals are now not just a goal. They are a, a, um, the stimulant to get you to behave in a manner that causes you, by very definition, to stumble at times because the goal's so big hmm. that you end up growing spiritually as a result of that. So for me, goal setting and achievement, Jeff, is a spiritual journey. I am deeply connected to those goals because they hold the secret to me having the highest spiritual life in a physical form possible. This idea of thinking bigger. Uh, I remember when I was interviewing for the role and I flew into town and I had dinner at, at Jane Wendy's house and I asked them, what's been the biggest gift you've received of being in business with Gary? And both of them said without any pause, thinking bigger. Yet year after year, when we facilitate this goal-setting retreat, there's undoubtedly people in the room that when we ask them these big questions, they hit the wall of, I don't know, and they shut down, they stop searching. So what did it look like to develop habits that have allowed you to think bigger? Well, what did that look like? It, it, it's, it's success and failure. But here, here's what, 
I'd like to address that question in a different way. The for me, I had it. I had an aha, and that was when you set a low goal. Right, I'm not going to score a touchdown. I'm just going to gain a yard. Then what happens is you build a mindset and you assemble the habits and the relationships necessary to achieve a low goal. And the problem with that is, in and of itself, that sounds very logical because I need to get forward. So I need to have a plan to take the first step. Got it. Totally got it. Here's the problem. Uh, Warren Buffett said that habits are like chains that are too loose to be noticed until they're too tight to break. Right. So we have to be very conscious about our habits. And if you build any habit and it's not the right habit, how hard is it to break a habit? Once it's a habit, how hard is that? Very. Oh, it's very it. You should be afraid at some point or have this this awareness that having a bad habit can be so destructive for it and and almost be too hard to change who you are. Because in essence, we are our habits, predictable behavior. If, if in fact, we have no habits, then we're just unpredictable at everything. And our results are all unpredictable. And then who we are becomes kind of a mishy-mashy. So the reality is, is that once, once I understood that small habits actually can become a box, uh, right, that we get in, that we may not be able to get out of, I got rid of small. Ha- I got rid of small goals. They they're like to me the devil, right? They're they don't do that, right? It'd be kind of like you get married and you turn to your wife and you say, "I have a ten year plan for us to be happy." So in our first year of marriage, we're, my plan calls us to be ten percent happy, and then in the second year, we're going to be twenty percent happy. Then we're going to be thirty percent happy. And I promise you, honey, if you stick with me, at some point, and I may fall backwards, but between ten and twenty years, we'll be happy. That sounds stupid, doesn't it? I mean, that sounds insane to me to even think that way. But when you break that down, she would say, you know what? We may not need to be married because 10% happy at any point of the time is an unacceptable thing, honey. So we have to we have to negotiate this. So you just go right to your, your goal is we're going to be happy. I mean, we're going to have a happy marriage. So sorry. And then you're going to just start behaving from day one and building habits from day one about how to do that. Mm-hmm. Now, that's just a simple analogy, but you you see my point. And this is the biggest mistake that people make. And that is they just haven't made peace that they should just go to the big goal. And then their plan should just be one plan. And the fact that you're only at 10%, if that even happened, is just a journey to 100%. But you're executing the 100% plan because you don't want to build bad habits that you have to break. So the only habits you want are at the 100% level. In my lifetime, I've worked with hundreds and hundreds of business people. And this is the number one mistake they make. They create incremental habits around incremental goals. And then they, and then they, they hire to the incremental goal. So they have built habits and relationships, which are the two foundational concepts of living your biggest life possible. What you do consistently to deliver consistent results at a high level. And number two, what are the relationships 
that you've engaged in that help you do that. Mm-hmm. That's it. Those, that's the, that's the two, two-step formula. And I think the thing that's worth pointing out is the, the thing that stops people from just going to the goal is they think the purpose of the goal is to achieve the result. And when they can't achieve the result, they think they failed and they feel bad, they feel bad versus what you said, which is the purpose of that goal is to inform how you should behave today so that you get to go on the journey. You've just rewritten what the whole purpose is. That's right. That's exactly right. Life is a journey, not a destination. We're all going to die. So I don't, I'm not looking forward to the destination of life, just to be candid with you. I'm not excited about it, not motivated by it, but it's inevitable. So what I understand is, is that the only thing I have left that I'm cognitively aware of is the journey that I'm on. And because of that, I'm 100% committed to the journey and, and having the best journey possible. Like you said, you're a very thoughtful person. You're yeah. very purposeful. Yeah. How do you know when you're missing a habit and how do you identify what that habit is? Because you haven't achieved your goal. The, the truth is, is if, you're not, if you're not already there from day one, that means there's a reason why you're not there. Can you identify that? And I will tell you, they're only in two categories, the actions you took and the relationships that you have. Those are the only two reasons. So let's look at your actions. And then the first question I would ask is, were you trying to be incremental or were you just go, were you, are your actions the same actions today that would be here? You just haven't mastered it at this level yet, right? It's like we, it's like we wrote about again in, in, in the one thing and we talk about, you know, the difference between a black belt and a white belt. At some point, the white belt knows exactly what the black belt knows. And you don't start out learning white belt moves. Black belt isn't about doing something different. It's about doing it better. So the day you walk into judo, let's say, because I, I, I took judo, they don't say, we're going to teach you amateur moves. We're going to teach you moves that a black belt would kill you on. No, they say, here are the moves. And the only difference between you and the ultimate black belt is that they execute better than you. We're not going to teach you something different. We're going to teach better execution. It's like playing the guitar. It's, you know, you, it's, it's, the same, it's the same concept, right? The same, the same scale that I play sounds completely different when Eric Clapton plays it. But it's the same scale. In the end, we, we don't want to start out with low goals because they'll lead to, to, to inadequate habits. We want to go for a big goal. We just lay it out, man. I want, I want to raise my kids to be their happiest, right? Best self-image, right? Confidence, self-image. Number one gift we can give kids. That's, that's the, number two, build habits, build habits. My son, you know, I, I identified early on that, that uh, the health habit's important. And he struggled with that as a teenager, as a lot of teenagers would in terms of how much sleep he got or what he put in his body, blah, 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 blah. Right. But I, my battle was over uh, exercise and, and we were, we required exercise, but we did it in a way that he didn't realize I was requiring it. And that was, I found a really cool person who would train him that he liked so much. He thought he was deciding. Right. But today, I mean, like he was over at my house yesterday and we worked out for an hour and 15 minutes 
if he doesn't exercise weekly, he doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. And the reason he doesn't feel right is because the habit of exercise is so ingrained into him that if he doesn't do it, life doesn't work as well. You've mentioned relationships on several occasions. Mm-hmm. Uh, my personal experience, what got me into business with you and Jay was I woke up and realized you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. I had five amazing friends and I didn't have five amazing mentors. Yeah. That set me on the journey. Yeah. When you set big goals, I think a lot of people realize that the people that they're surrounded by are not necessarily set up to support them achieving that goal. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's- what did it look like to start being purposeful about investing in specific relationships and shedding others? Yeah, that's right. Well, it was a tough moment when my second longest friend and I were roommates in uh, after after college, and I moved out, and he was living a different life than me. I, I was I was now purposeful, had the goals, and was living the life of achieving that. And he wasn't. So his hours were different, and his request of my time didn't reflect his acknowledgement that. I couldn't do that, right? And uh, and so I moved out. Now we're still friends. In fact, we were texting furiously over the weekend. But right, and uh, but but understand that we're friends. We're friends. So I I don't look to my friends to be my role models necessarily. I choose them for whatever emotional uh, and psychological enjoyment I get from being in relationship with them. So I don't hold my friends accountable to anything than other, other than moral, you know, uh, standards, right? Short of that, I don't have a standard if, if I just don't, right? But, but those relationships are, are, are over here. You're, you're asking about the other side of that. So I, so I actually draw a line. I don't, you know, I'll, I'll go have a glass of wine with almost anybody, right? I'll sit down and, and, and have a cup of black tea with anybody, literally, right? I don't judge that. But if you want a deeper relationship with me, um, it either is going to be just on the friend side and we're just friends, or it's going to be very purposeful around the goals that I have in my life. And how you help me achieve that. I'm very purposeful about it, actually. Well, talk about the idea of choosing your mentors or choosing your profits when it comes to achieving goals. Well, I, I, I don't think that, I think that's actually just you saying it is the power of it, meaning that it's not just habits, it's the relationships that support the habits. And the actions you're taking that get you to your highest level. So the truth of the matter is, is that if I need to go to here, if this is the ultimate goal, then I'm looking for people to work with or to support me that know how to get there or are also committed to getting there. I mean, that's kind of a fundamental criteria. Again, we we see a lot of times in our industry in real estate sales, we'll a lot of times see a real estate agent hire a staff person and they hire them for doing this. And the problem with that is, is that the the agent doesn't understand that at some point that person either has to raise their ceiling 
thus their thinking, thus their actions, thus their habits to support those actions consistently, or that agent is going to hit a ceiling. And what's going to happen is they're going to get more of the jobs back. Their life's going to get more complicated, more burdensome, rather than being unburdened. And uh, and this, again, is the challenge of choosing those supportive relationships to get you X instead of just get you the whole alphabet. So I would say, again, that the way we choose those relationships should be very purposeful. Mm-hmm. Right? The other thing I've learned getting to watch you is it's not like you look and say, ooh, health matters to me. Let me go find 20 people to follow. How many do you choose? One. You got his book. There you go. You gave One. it to me. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah, Clarence. Clarence is, Clarence is my prophet. And I don't need it. I don't need another one. Jack Lelane was that before before Clarence. And then Jack, what a loser, died at 96. So tried to live to 100, but he didn't make it. So I quit following him. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, right. But uh, but Clarence is the second coming of Jack. And um, so Clarence Bass is it, man. And just to give you an idea about how I I, I do things, this just happened to be sitting in here. But these are, when I read, I read with purpose, right? So you have, these are my, these are my goals. There's my breakfast options. There's my lunch options, my dinner options. Here are my, anyway, I I won't go into all the detail on it, but, uh, oh, by the way, the, um, here's, here's all the ways I can get to 90 grams of protein a day, but that's how I read. And so, uh, I pick my profit. And the one, by the way, and and I go spend time and and not you know I have no idea even though he is still married to the same woman I I I didn't analyze his relationship with Carol and I didn't analyze his his anything about him even his morals I did I don't know anything about any of that nor do I care because he is not my all in one prophet. He has a singular goal using his body as his as his live laboratory to to test the principles of of maximum health at any point in your life. And while at the same time, don't sell that out for a shorter life. What's important about this is, again, you're, you're not talking about incremental incremental gain. You're asking, what's the goal? And you're setting it big. And you're now asking, it's a combination of two things, my actions and my relationships. And you're not going and looking for just anyone. You're asking if I could only choose one, who is the best in the world at this thing? And you study them, you model them, and you form habits based on how they behave. Yeah, Yeah, because if you didn't practice the one thing here, you would just have a long litany of people and you'd, you'd look like potluck, right? You're just the jack of all of them and the master of none of it, right? I, you know, when you look at money, the, the, um, the only person that I ever really studied was Warren Buffett, right? The greatest investor in the history of time. Oh, no, let's don't go study him. Let's study the guys that weren't the best. <laughs> that's see that make any sense to me i mean no offense to all the rest of us but i would study him right uh or and and i'd be happy to be in relationship with others who are studying him right i'd be happy to do that but i'm not interested in grabbing a book 
that says, here's another way to look at it. I, I, I went through enough of those. And then I went, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna follow I'm gonna follow the guy that's the most successful investor in the history of time. I'm gonna go follow the guy uh, health wise who whose goal was to live to a hundred purposefully. That's why I laugh and say he died at ninety six. Bless his heart. Uh, wife still alive though. Uh, but um, but that was that. You know that that that's the thinking that I that I've had. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. I mean that's kind of that's kind of it. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about time. Okay. It's our most valuable resource. The problem is most people are spending it. They're not investing it. You uh, are very purposeful with how you plan and invest your time. Mm-hmm. I am. Why is it that you use a paper planner? Uh, well, that's easy. Uh, I use a paper planner because of perspective. And that is, I can, um, and even though you can use a digital planner that will open things up, it doesn't give you the same sense of perspective, right? I can see in a glance, if you just think about 30-day increments, I can see in a glance what I'm doing. You will be fumbling around, and I can tell you what I'm doing on the 4th, the 5th, the 10th, the 24. I can tell you in a glance, just that fast. So I get a sense of my life, right? Remember, uh, remember the story of Alfred Hitchcock. He was asked, one of the greatest filmmakers of all time, he was asked by a reporter once, you know, how do you make such great films? And he says, I visualize the films frame by frame. And then for me, making the actual movie is an afterthought. And I heard that early in my life. Jeff, and I never forgot the story because I began to internalize in my mid-20s that all of life is afterthought. All of our actions are afterthought. So we live two lives, inside, outside, right? It's it's the inside to the outside, right? It's it's think and grow rich, right? Yeah, that sort of thing. So because I then began to assemble that that all things happen twice, they happen internally first. And then there's an external representation of getting that thing out. So for me, thinking and being aware at all times about where my time is used is the most important habit of all. So I want perspective at all time. That's notice it's out at all time. I can't have my computer out at all times because I'm using it. Otherwise, you didn't even have to move. You just extended your arm. That's all I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like a suitcase uh, that they had stickers for all the places they traveled. This is this is my this is mine, right? It's 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 my. Uh, I I I literally. Here's my son with with the. They weren't on a date, but there he is, right? When he's just a little guy in alley. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's right here in front of you, man. Right. Yep, got my favorite concert uh, with the Stones and then the Doobie Brothers. Got my favorite record store. There it is, man. My favorite shoes, Allbirds, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, it's all here. It's people, all here. And, and by the way, in order for you, and in order for you to have this, you'd have to carry two computers. Because mm-hmm. you'd have to have the other one open all the time. But the problem is you'd have to have a screen this size in order to actually see it at a glance. So this is always sitting in front of me. And if you're in a meeting with me, you'll notice I'll always take it out of my little backpack and I'll just set it out. And I'll have my I'll have my spiral notebook. 
and I'll have my my um, planner. Right now, I'm re- now I'm ready to go. Whatever we need to do, let's do. People struggle because they're they have the habit of using a digital calendar. Yeah, it shows every second of every day and they think, oh my gosh, well, how am I going to track meetings with other people? How am I going to have the invites? How am I going to have the notes? But I heard you say they, they trade convenience for vision. Yeah. And, and they also trade convenience for protection. What do you mean by that? Well, you and I know this. We talk about this in one thing. And that is you, you have to protect your time around your priorities. Otherwise, the world who doesn't know your goals and doesn't know your priorities will continually try to persuade you and sell you on the idea that they're the priority for the day, that they're what they write. uh, It's like um, when we first got married, uh, Mary and I were having dinner and the phone rang and I wouldn't answer it. You just drive her crazy. I just wouldn't answer the phone. And she's going, aren't you going to answer it? I said, well, okay, Let's have this conversation. In this moment, I choose to be with you. Are you suggesting that I should be waiting for an opportunity not to spend time with you? So I should take any distraction that comes along and not give you my attention. I'm giving it to you, but if you want to tell me that you would rather that I constantly be distracted and not give you attention during this time, okay, then I'll go answer the phone. And whoever it is, I'll have to deal with that. Or they'll call back. If it's an emergency, they'll call back. Or they'll leave a message and I'll check it later. Which would you like me to do? Her answer was stick there and stay with her. So I just don't answer the phone. Yeah. So the the protecting your time is really important. And giving people easy access to try to infiltrate that is a mistake. Now, I do believe that you have protected and unprotected time. Right? I do believe that if you get up in the morning... And by you know noon, one o'clock or whatever, if, if you can if you can control that time, um, which is the easiest time of the day to control, because the rest of the world is not up and at them yet, so that's your easiest time to control, right? Because most people wake up after lunch and go, uh oh, I've wasted the morning. I have four hours. Got to get to work, and then they are hitting it hard, right? The morning they're they're you know they're they're trying to wake up. They're walking around with their coffee, you know, or tea. And they're chit-chatting and all of that. And uh, we wrote about this, man, right? And, and, and that is you're, you're, you're wasting your willpower. And uh, it's, you're going to pay a price for that. So if you can control the morning and protect, you know, at least four or five hours around what you need to get done. In other words, have a perfect day by noon or so, you're good to go. Then you can you can allow yourself distractible time that whatever comes along, if you need to do it, do it. But what I've discovered is if you really work, if you have a focused morning, it sets you up to have a focused afternoon because it lines up the table for you on what you should accomplish. And right? I think In other words, all the things you generated are now going to start knocking. They're going to start knocking on your door. They're going to return your call. They're going to send you what you need. And now all of a sudden you've been, you're, you're in alignment. Yeah. And I think the thing that's worth pointing out is you are not saying that you time block every hour of every day and follow it perfectly because that's a terrible life. Oh, no. You're clear about what matters and you invest that time early in the day when your willpower is the highest. And your goal is just to have accomplished the things that matter most before lunch because then you can be spontaneous the rest of the day. That's right. And I also try to time block uh, the beginning of the week 
And I try to leave towards the end of the week to be more flexible. Mm, talk about front-loading your priorities. Yeah, that's right. That, that's, that's what it is. Meaning that um, it's really hard. Now, this is around my personality. So I don't know that this works for everybody. But for me, I, I'll give the example of writing a book. You cannot write a book where I cannot, where I write for an hour and then I get distracted and do stuff. I immediately come back, pick up right where I was, have the same momentum, and just have another effective hour. If I take even an hour away and I come back, it's going to take me an hour to get back to where I was. So it'll take me two hours, what would have taken me one hour. So it's going to take longer if I allow for gaps. So if you just think about that, if you could, if, I think it's pretty easy to visualize that, right, about writing. If you can, if you can take that and then use it for anything that matters to you, staying in the moment till you get it done is the is the most cost efficient, time efficient, uh, most productive way to try to tackle something. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, by the way, so I, so I've, I've, I've also moved that in terms of days of the week. So on a Monday and on a Tuesday. I will, those are, those are, those are all loaded with people. Meaning yesterday, I think I had, well, I know Thursday, I had like 11 appointments. Friday, I think I had 12. Today, I think I have eight. It's so I, and, and yesterday was, was, you know, beginning to end. So I will book heavy Monday and Tuesday, right? I will, they're really long days. Why? Because I want to wake up on Wednesday and be able to focus on whatever it needs my big time block. So for me, that's a that's a, a writer schedule. So Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, when I'm in the mode of writing, then that's when I do that. That makes sense. Absolutely. So because because of of my world, that front end load for me, and then and then the back end being being flex time to do my my big priorities that need huge time blocks. Uh, that works really well uh, for 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 me, if that makes sense. It does. Inherent in that is you are a master of saying a very powerful two letter word. Oh yeah, absolutely. No. Oh yeah, yeah. To be to to be successful, you have to be a no man. You can't be a yes man. You can't do it. You have to say no. You'll say no to ninety nine percent of the world, and they're going to think you're unfriendly or you're inaccessible, and it doesn't really matter. Like I tell people, they say, well, can I call you? And I said, yeah, but I probably won't answer. So why is that? Well, because because talking to you is not a priority for me. It's a priority for you, but it's not for me. It doesn't further my life. It may further yours, but I'm during my time block, I'm not going to respond to that. I mean, or during these blocks, whether it be time or whether it be days, I'm I'm not going to do it. Mm Mm-hmm. What are some of the habits you've put in place to make saying no easier? Don't answer email immediately. Don't answer text immediately. And begin to discourage people and send a message that they should not expect you to get back immediately. And I can go a month before I'll answer something. I answer everything, but it could be a month. Right now, I'm working on about five weeks on probably 100 emails. Right. Because they have nothing to do with my priorities. They have nothing to do with directly. They're all indirect. Right. Another thing is you can create a gatekeeper, right? Uh, an assistant or somebody that everybody gets funneled to. 
and they've been trained on how to talk to people, right? And I have, and and then you have standard, you have standard lines, right? And one of my standard lines is what I can't do for one. I mean, anything that I do for one, I have to do for for all. And so I can't do it for all. I can't do it for one. And that's a standard line. And by the way, the world gets that when they ask a favor. Hey, would you do this? Would you do this? Would you do this? And I say, man, I'd love to help you. But here's my dilemma. My dilemma is, is if I say yes to you, I've said yes to everybody. And since I can't say yes to everybody, I can't say yes to you because they're going to want to know why I chose you and not them. And I won't have a good answer. So the reality is I, I just can't help you. I'm sorry. And if someone says, hey, can you give money? I go, uh, no, I can't. And the reason is because my wife and I plan our giving in five-year increments. And so our giving is planned, right? Your priority is not my priority, right? And I learned, by the way, when you go to raise money, the people, if, if you got to find people who have the same priority as you, because people only give money to their priority and the priorities of their friends. They don't give money to anything else. That's the secret. Sorry. There's a little piece of advice on raising, raising money for charity. <laughs> Knowing everything that you know now, I want you to rewind back to 20-year-old Gary beginning yeah. his career. And yeah. You're giving yourself advice when it comes to habits. Mm. What would you say to yourself? Well, do at 20 what you started doing at 26. And that, <laughs> is, and that, and that is set really big goals and then go in, in research and try to understand what the habits are that will achieve that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's it. I mean, honestly, that's just it. The, 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 biggest, the biggest gift we can give our kids is uh, limitless uh, thinking, right? The, um, establish a big goal, right? Don't just take a test. Uh, go for 100. Why? The, the value is not in the score, but in the habit that you'll form to try to hit the score. That habit will serve you way past this year of school. Mm-hmm. School and and the resulting you know years right after that right the next five to ten years, um, man these are the um, these are important years, right? The um, there was a book written on this called the Defining Decade, Jeff, and uh, it's it's a book well worth reading reading for anybody who has people in their life that are young, and the math is so compelling. Uh, around the way your life turns out, uh, it's it's incredible. It, it's very convicting, and it, and it tells you that when you get rid of your when you get out of your last formal education, and it doesn't matter if if that was sixteen years of age or that was thirty, it doesn't matter when that is. The clock starts ticking, and the habits and the relationships that you form right then, and the resulting success you have, will define your lifetime. More than any other thing, that decade defines it more than anything, and doesn't mean that you're doomed. It simply means that you have set a trajectory, and if you get to the end of that period and your trajectory is still low, you'll have to put in double time and triple time and energy to somehow try to figure out how to overcome that. So that would be my advice. My advice would be. Uh, to myself would be start thinking really big, right? Start thinking really big and start attracting big thinkers into your life, right? Because you will. If you commit 
to, to achieving something at a high level, you will naturally not hang out with people that don't want to do that. And you'll naturally hang out with people that do, right? I have, a, I, I have some really great friends and I love, and I love my friends dear, dearly. And they, 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 they bring my life such joy. I hope I return that favor. But I want to share with you that, that I don't have friends that think as high as me professionally. They just don't. I want to talk about how you maintain a relationship with someone when they may not think as big as you. They may not be a goal setter because this is hands down the the top objection we get is my significant other isn't a goal setter or maybe my, my business partner doesn't think as big as me. Well, my wife is not a big goal setter and she doesn't use a daytime. She didn't use a daytimer. Uh, she wouldn't set goals at all. And she wasn't a planner and she didn't do any of that. So how do you guys, I've heard you say you are more in love than ever before. Oh. And you're, you are the biggest thinker I know. So how the heck do you maintain that connection when you're the exact opposite? Well, because, I, because of the, the gifts that that approach gives me. I don't need a spouse that plans and thinks like I do. I need someone that saves me from myself. I'm, I'm not, I, our marriage isn't built on the fact that we, that we think alike on these things. Our marriage is built on the fact that we're opposites and we save each other. I mean, to be honest, I mean, it's just that simple. I don't want her to change. And it doesn't, and, you know, early in our marriage, it would frustrate me. But the reality is today, I just don't care. I mean, it, it, you're right. We, I got to a place where I, all of a sudden I could appreciate the gift I was being given. That it don't need to be planned all the time, Gary. You don't, right? My wife wakes up and if everyone's alive, it's a good day. <laughs> it's that simple. I mean, seriously, that's kind of it. If, right? Everything else is a bonus after that, right? The success we have, have had financially, and it's a, definitely a partnership. The success that we've had financially is really just the, the tale of me devoting right, my time to thinking big, attacking that, and developing the habits and the relationships that get me there. Uh, but when I come home, my family will tell you I'm not that guy. Right, because I've been trained not to be that guy, so I'm the biggest couch potato, biggest right. I'm I'm the I'm the opposite of all of that, Jeff. When I come home, so if I came home and immediately we had to stay in that all night long, and then the right, I don't know that I could take it. I mean, I I think it might wear me out, hmm. you know. Uh, and I've learned that I can casually ask her what would make her happy and what does she kind of think that might look like. And then I go off and I put that together and then I put it back in front of her and she will invariably go, okay, that works. So what I discovered is, is, is that I could incorporate uh, the things that matter to her into it, into the planning and then to the extent that we need to plan, right? I mean, a good example of that would be like vacations, right? What I discovered early on is if you, if you want to be able to do the, the activities that you want to do on a vacation, you probably need to plan those six months in advance. If you want to go to the best restaurant, let's say, in that area that everyone says you should go to, it's going to be booked for the week you're there that invariably happens. So I discovered that you need to plan six months to a year in advance for those things. And so that's what I do. So I just sit down with her and I ask her. Everything can be erased, by the way. So when I plan it, 
I'm not even committed to it if she later changes her mind. But everything's been set up. The table is set. So I, right. And that's, that's kind of with it. I love it. That's well, thank you for first writing the book and, oh, and creating all the opportunity that you pleasure. have. It's made a huge difference. Yeah, it's really interesting, right? When Jay and I sat down to write this, our publisher wasn't thrilled with it. They weren't thrilled with the idea. They didn't know where we were going. Didn't understand, right? Wonderful human being, by the way, really smart too, and a real blessing for Jay and I. But I don't think he had internalized that underneath everything is either the actions you take or the relationships you build. So tack, trying to trying to put the kind of a definitive work together on how to choose the right actions didn't resonate as, as an exciting book, right? It worked out okay. Yeah, it worked out okay. <laughs> All right, man. Thank you. Thanks. Enjoyed our time. I appreciate everything you do to help so many people. Likewise. Likewise. There you have it, our conversation with Gary Keller. The thing that stands out to me from listening to all the wisdom Gary shared is that when you scale your thinking and expand your definition of what is possible, you also have to confront everything that currently exists in your life. You have to say no to the activities, the obligations, and the relationships that no longer fit with the person you are working to become. If you know you are meant for more, but you're missing the proper habits, people, and tools required for you to grow, please, please just join us for the One Thing Goal Setting Retreat for couples and individuals on November 13th and 14th. When you join us, we will share a simple framework for setting goals and a system to accomplish them. But it's about more than just setting goals. It's about finding clarity with like-minded high achievers just like you. It's about discovering your purpose and uncovering your core values. One attendee last year said, I just love turning my dreams into plans and making them happen. Another said, now that I've realized my purpose, everything seems easier and more clear. I know exactly what I need to do to get to where I want to be. This retreat is a game changer. I say that because it personally changed my life. It is the one thing that sets up each year, which supports my five-year goals and my someday goals. It's my favorite weekend of the year, and we'd love for it to be your favorite too. As we mentioned at the beginning, the reason we want you to register now is because the price of the ticket goes up on September 1st. Do yourself a favor, make an investment in yourself at theonething.com slash setmygoals. That's theonething.com with the number one in the URL slash setmygoals. If this episode has brought value to you, who's someone you know or care about that would benefit from listening to it? Would you share it with them? And if you're that person, welcome to the One Thing Podcast. Click the subscribe button so that all future episodes will automatically be downloaded to your device. And for all of you, please consider leaving us a rating or review on your podcast player of choice as it helps us reach far more people. Thank you for listening to the One Thing Podcast. We look forward to being with you in the next episode.